It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. to episode 12 and the second episode of season 2 of the Curly W Live podcast. If you want to go back and listen to any of the episodes from season 1, head over to our blog, Curly W Live, which is curlyw.mlblogs.com, or search the podcast through iTunes. You can also find the season premiere of uh, season 2, which featured an interview with Director of Field Operations, John Turnauer. So check that out, like I said, by heading over to our blog, Curly W Live, or by searching the podcast through iTunes. So as you know, Washington, D.C. and the Nationals will host the 2018 All-Star Game this summer at Nationals Park. It is an incredibly special event that personally I am very excited to be a part of, and I hope fans from all over come to our great city and take part in at least one of the many events that will take place that week. So we thought we would bring the excitement of the All-Star Game to the Curly W Live podcast. As you know, as, as, as listeners, during the first season and even our most recent episode with John Turnauer, the podcast is focused on learning about all aspects of the organization through interviews with front office employees, broadcasters, uh, our manager, Davey Martinez. Um, so we learned a lot about their processes, their day-to-day lives in baseball, their careers, and we'll still continue to do those. But we're also going to do a series of Curly W Live podcasts that focus on each of the four All-Star games that have been played in Washington, D.C., We're going to do one episode about each game, and we hope to feature uh, two interviews per podcast. One interview will be with a baseball historian, and one will be with a player or coach or fan that attended the game. As you may know, D.C. has hosted four All-Star games, 1969, 1962, 1956, and 1937. So our first guest on today's podcast is noted D.C. baseball historian and author Fred Fromer. Fromer is an author of several books including You Gotta Have Heart, A History of Washington Baseball, of which author and uh, journalist and historian George Will said, Fred Fromer tells this fascinating story splendidly. No fan's library should be without this book. I recently read this book. Uh, Fred was uh, gracious enough to send me a copy of it, and it is as good as it gets when it comes to D.C. baseball history. Um, It starts at the beginning and goes all the way up through the uh, 2012 NL East Championship season. Um, if you're new to the D.C. or you're just a baseball fan or you have a young baseball fan in your family that's you know, getting into the Nationals now at a young age, I, I highly recommend this book. It, like I said, it covers all the bases, and um, you know, it's just some, something every baseball fan should have, especially D.C. baseball fans. Fred is also the head of the sports business practice at Dewey Square Group, a communications firm in Washington, D.C., where he provides strategic communication and other services to his sports clients. Prior to joining Dewey Square, Fromer worked at CNN, Washington Post, and the Associated Press. At the AP, he created a groundbreaking beat on the intersection of sports and politics while covering the Roger Clemens trial. He's also written for the Washington Post, New York Times, Political Magazine, The Atlantic, and Washingtonian Magazine. You can also find Fred on Twitter at F. Fromer, which is F-F-R-O-M-M-E-R. 
So be sure to give him a follow. He's got some great stuff on there as well. Our second guest is none other than Frank Howard. And Frank really needs no introduction. Uh, but for those that don't know, Frank Howard hit 237 home runs as a member of the Washington Senators, a number that stood as the most in D.C. baseball history until this, this past season when Ryan Zimmerman broke the record. Howard was one of the premier power hitters of his generation and was voted to start the 1969 All-Star Game in right field for the American League. And not only did he start that game, but he hit one of his signature mammoth home runs uh, to right center field. And we have audio of that courtesy of Major League Baseball and NBC Sports. So take a listen. Right back again with a breaking pitch. This one is low and inside, one and one. Howard this year has been trying to wait on the pitch longer and punch it more for base hits to all fields. The power he has takes care of itself. And he has wound up with 34 home runs. Deep center field, look out. Good hit the upper deck. And does. tried to throw him the curveball and got behind him then had to come in with the fastball and Frank just ripped it into center field. That ball they'll measure it I'm sure but it's 410 feet to straightaway center and it was in the mezzanine far up the wall about 60 feet. Bando has strike one on him and swings and misses for strike two. Bando the third baseman 18 home runs 64 RBIs with Oakland. So without much further ado here is episode 12 of the Curly W Live podcast a look at the 1969 All-Star Game. Enjoy. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Brett. Thank you for taking the time to join us. Thanks, Scott. Good to be here. So let's go back to 1969. I guess the first um, first part of getting an All-Star Game and have, having it in your town is the selection process. So could you kind of go into it a little bit about how Washington, D.C. was selected for the 1969 All-Star Game? It was actually quite a surprise. And unlike today when selections are made years in advance, um, Back in 69, the selection was made in 68 by the commissioner, and it was a surprise. Nobody really saw it coming, and they just thought because of the centennial of baseball in 1969, it would be fitting to have it in the nation's mm -hmm. capital. The start of baseball, obviously, as we know, it can kind of be debated as to right. what, what year that specifically exactly. was. So they, so they picked 1969, pivotal year in Major League Baseball. Uh, the mound was lowered. Uh, divisional play started, as we know, and uh, the Montreal Expos, who eventually became the Washington Nationals, uh, played their first season. So it, the whole year in itself was pretty uh, groundbreaking, you know, in the terms of baseball history. And it's pretty special for Washington, D.C. to have an All-Star game during something that important, a year that, that was important in, in the history of baseball. Right, and it really was uh, a revival for baseball. Mm -hmm. uh, 1968 was known as the year of the pitcher, mm -hmm. uh, in which there was, like, no offense at all in baseball, and fans were getting bored. Mm -hmm. uh, people were turning away from baseball, and so – uh, MLB decided to, l to uh, lower the pitcher's mm -hmm. mound to get more offense into the game, and it really worked. Um, the previous year's All-Star game, in fact, was one to nothing, right, right. and this year's game wound up being a 9-3 <laughs> score. Uh, so, yeah, so that all translated. Even the All-Star game was a little bit more uh, high scoring than it usually is. Uh, now, the, the player selection, um, I believe it was different back then than it is, is now. How were the players selected uh, at the time of this All-Star game? It was a vote of players, coaches, and managers, okay. so the fans did not have a say at that time. 
and then was it all you don't know if it's all equal in terms of um, their impact you know players get a certain amount of votes um, managers get a certain amount of votes coaches get a certain amount I believe they all have the same okay. vote yeah. okay so it's all equal we talked a little bit before coming on air about uh, the tickets and we all know how uh, valuable all-star game tickets and how are the tickets sold or distributed uh, to fans well, a couple weeks before the game, tickets went on sale, mm-hmm. uh, a big chunk of them at least, and fans actually camped out the night mm-hmm. before, uh, some for t- up to 12 hours. Wow. Uh, but the thing that really irritated some of the Senators fans mm-hmm. was that some of those fans that waited as long as they did walked away with no tickets, and because the Senators didn't really have their act together, mm-hmm. they would actually open up other ticket windows kind of randomly wow. the next morning, and so other fans who just kind of walked up and right. bought tickets, so the people who waited in line, line <laughs> all night were furious. Wow. So was it... Um, obviously, the centers were playing when these tickets were on sale. Was it kind of like, um, you know, a disruption, if anything, that have to have fans, um, you know, uh, camped out at RFK Stadium to to buy All Star Game tickets when the team's actually playing games? Well, it's funny. The, the tickets actually went on sale at 9 a.m., okay. but there were t- guy, two guys that, s- that camped out. They started at the seventh inning stretch of the day previous day's oh, game. Wow. So there were a few people actually uh, at the game, you know, actually at the stadium when the game was going right. on, but the big crowds really started right. coming out the next morning. Okay. I and mean, you think about how the tickets are distributed now with, with season plan holders and, um, you know, the, the tickets are allotted for different teams and some go to MLB, some go to the team, some go to the league. It, it, it's crazy to think that there were people camping out for, for tickets of a game that of this magnitude. Right. And it's just a totally different era in so <laughs> many ways. And, and so close to the first pitch of the game. Right. You know, a couple of weeks beforehand. It's just – it's uh, Yeah, it's, it's, hard, it's hard to imagine that two weeks before the All-Star game that there'd be anything about oh, this year. Absolutely, yeah. Going back to 1969 and, and – what was what was the All Star Week like back then? You know, now we have all, honestly All Star Week starts even even sooner now with events going around the city the week before. You have the Futures Game that that weekend. Uh, Monday's the Home Run Derby. The Tuesday's the game, and then Wednesday and Thursday are kind of uh, off days in baseball. So what in 1969? What did All Star Week? And I'm I'm putting that in quotation marks because it, it was a different time back then. But what did that entail? Well, it's interesting. Before 1969, it really entailed nothing. There wasn't really much of anything besides the mm-hmm. game. But Bui Kuhn, the new baseball commissioner, who actually grew up in Washington okay. and worked the scoreboard at Old Griffith Stadium wow. as a teenager <laughs> for a dollar a day, uh, he decided to capitalize on the baseball centennial and make it into a marketing mm-hmm. device. And so they had uh, a dinner the Monday night of the game okay. uh, where they honored the best players living and all time. Mm-hmm. Um, Tuesday, um, Richard Nixon invited uh, 400 VIPs, players, mm-hmm. Hall of Famers, umpires, sports writers uh, to the White House and actually uh, made the stunning observation that uh, he – Likes his job, but if he could do it over again, he'd rather be a sports writer. Oh wow, um, that's that's quite the uh, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty quite, quite the spread <laughs> for, for, for some, right for somebody who hated real journalists too. <laughs> and then from there, as this, is the, this is the afternoon of the game, mm-hmm. the scheduled game. Um, the uh, there were all the uh, senators and other folks mm-hmm. and baseball players were bussed over to um, RFK Stadium, okay. and there was a centennial party that Bui Kuhn threw. Uh, on the grounds of the National Armory. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, it started pouring, right. pouring rain, and so you had senators standing in two inches of rain oh, no. in the tents, but Bowie Kuhn said, you know what, I couldn't be happier because right. here I am. Everyone I've got senators together. here. Everyone's here. Everyone's right. so happy. It's mm-hmm. a great celebration yeah, of baseball. Kinda, you kind of do, you, you do what you can with the situation you're in, and it seems exactly. like they still embraced it. Uh, now, going back to Monday night, you talked about a dinner where they honored a lot of um, uh, you know, historical players and 
it was kind of a celebration of the, the of the hundred years of baseball. Now that had a bit of a DC flair to it, right? I believe Walter Johnson won won some won an award, right? Walter Johnson named greatest right-handed pitcher. Okay, yeah. then who, do you recall who won the other awards that evening? Uh, Babe Ruth was named greatest player ever. Okay, and Joe DiMaggio edged out Ted Williams as the greatest living player. Okay, and Ted Williams uh, was the manager of the Centers that year, right, in fact, right. a rookie manager. Right. He didn't take too kindly to that, so he blew up the dinner. Really? And his wife actually went and took the award for him as the greatest living left fielder. Oh, so. <laughs> kind of a consolation <laughs> prize. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so you mentioned briefly uh, when you talk about the week, but, you know, that day of the All-Star game, something that we don't even want to – we don't want to use the word uh, around baseball, especially with a big event like the All-Star game when you don't have a roof. But, um, you know, it rained. And um, so what – Kind of go in on what you know about the, the rain delay itself and, you know, how they kind of reacted to the rain, uh, the situation. Right. It was actually the first rain out in All-Star Game history. Mm-hmm. Uh, that afternoon, it really started raining cats and dogs. Oh, wow. Unbelievable. Like the biggest thunderstorm right. of the year. Mm-hmm. The dugouts were flooded. So the, the commissioner, before the game even started, he decided that mm-hmm. they'd have to postpone okay. the game. It was a night game and prime time. They moved it up to uh, – they moved the game up the next day to uh, afternoon game. Okay. And it's still – the fans still still came? Still came out. Oh yeah, lots <laughs> of fans came out. Uh, okay, <laughs> I, I guess if you if you're gonna camp outside and sit outside outside RFK uh, for tickets, you better. It really doesn't matter when the game's gonna be. You're gonna go. Yeah, you're gonna <laughs> play hooky. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so what? Um, going back, I guess a little bit, but what was the buzz around DC at the time? Was was the city like uh, fixed to this being the All Star game, or was it kind of just like another event in town? What? What do you what do you know about the buzz in DC at the time? There was a lot of buzz, not only about the All Star Game, but about the Senators. Now, this is the second Washington Senators team. Right. The first one moved um, to Minnesota in 1961, mm-hmm. and so the second team was even worse than the first one, right. and they never had a winning season until 1969. Mm-hmm. At the All Star Game, the Senators were 51 and 50. Okay. Now, by today's standards <laughs> of Nats fans, not not very yeah, good. But we'd by be then, in trouble. <laughs> right. By then, those were good standards. Right, right. Good, good, those are good, rather. And in fact. Uh, the Senators wound up finishing 10 games over 500, their only mm-hmm. um, winning record ever as a second Senators franchise. Okay. New York Times actually described Ted Williams as being at the center of this revival of right. Washington baseball. So there's a lot of buzz both about the team mm-hmm. and about the, uh, the All-Star the game. All-Star game itself. So what did they do about um, – now, obviously, the rain came, and, and they, they canceled it pretty early, which is good. Um, but what did they do about, like, lineups, starting pitchers? I know if, if that were to happen today, there would be a lot of discussion about – the routines of the starting pitchers and, and the players right. being their work in. What what kind of happened um, at the time? Well, there was a pitching change, but it wasn't by design. Really? Yeah, it was Steve Carlton of the National League okay. uh, against Danny McLean of the American League. Mm-hmm. Uh, Danny McLean actually had a dentist appointment the next morning <laughs> in Detroit. Wow. Now, if you can believe this, he decided he was going to keep that appointment. Right. So he got in his plane, and he right. blew back, and he thought, well, I'll fly back and get there mm-hmm. in time for the game. Right. Well, by the time he got to the stadium, it was already the second inning. Oh, jeez. So they just put him in for one inning, <laughs> gave up a home run to Willie McCovey, right. and then he left early. And New York Times sports writer said that he Did was – a follow-up appointment? No, he just <laughs> – I think he was headed to Florida in his plane. Okay. Uh, the Senators were so impressed, apparently, by this work ethic, they traded for him wow. a year later, and he was <laughs> terrible. He lost right, two right, games right. for them. Uh, the New York Times actually described uh, Danny McLean as the enemy of every working man. He got to work uh, late and left early. I assume all the players were at the stadium uh, for the game, trying to get ready, and then eventually the commissioner, um, you know, postpones it to the next day. I mean, y- you talked about earlier, like it was torrential rain. Like th- this was a, this was not a, a small rainstorm. So, um, from what I, my little research was that. They had some issues getting back to their hotels? That's right. <laughs> oh uh, the American League bus, okay. in, in fact, had a really tough go of right. it. Um, because of flooding, they wound up taking some detours. They wound up in Virginia. 
And they were staying uh, in DC. They were staying in DC. All I had to do was get back to the hotel oh, in DC. Mom. Yeah. <laughs> and um, they actually went through Alexandria, Virginia, three times from three different directions. Wow. It took them a total of two and a half hours. In fact, the bus driver wound up asking directions at the same gas station twice. <laughs> and Reggie Jackson actually said, Holy smoke, the same gas station. <laughs> One of the players even said, Someone's got to tell my wife this is true because she's never going to believe me that <laughs> I, my bus was gone for two and a half hours. I mean, that's that's pretty unbelievable when you think about it in, in, in the G days of GPS, GPS and, right, and exactly. uh, coach buses and, and Uber drivers, and uh, I guess it happens to the best of us. Right. <laughs> it happened back then. And Bus driver had a bad day. I, yeah, I can't even imagine uh, the, the grief he took from, <laughs> from players as they're two and a half hours late. They probably had dinner plans or... They're all going to enjoy a ni nice night in D.C. Who, who knows? Maybe it messed up their performance the next yeah, day. Yeah, exactly. Now, here they are. In, they're in Alexandria, Virginia with no idea where they are. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, that's a pretty funny story. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about President Nixon. You mentioned him earlier um, about how he would rather be a sports writer than president. <laughs> um, but as we know in D.C., um, the tradition of Washington, D.C. baseball and the president and the relationship between the two. Um, so tell me a little bit about President Nixon's involvement in the 1969 All-Star Game itself. Yes, he was very excited to have all these players and um, umpires and Hall of Famers at the mm -hmm. at the White House, and uh, he was scheduled throughout the first pitch right. that evening. Now he told everybody that uh, he was leaving for a world trip that that evening, mm -hmm. and his aide said, uh, "Mr. President, you have to leave in the fifth inning, mm -hmm. you know, to keep you on schedule." Right. And he said, "I'm not leaving a baseball game <laughs> early. I never leave a game right. early because you never know how it's going right. to turn out." Well. As it turned out, uh, the game was rained out, and he had to uh, leave for the World Trip, and he missed the wow. uh, throughout the first ball. But his vice president, Spiro Agnew, mm -hmm. uh, filled in for him. Now, he had a, an encounter with uh, Neil Armstrong several days later, correct? And they, they had a little bit of a discussion about the All-Star game itself. That's right. So uh, one of the reasons he left for the World Trip was to meet the astronauts as they're coming, uh, back. As they're coming back from the, the moon. Mm -hmm. And they, they had landed. There was a splash out on the Pacific. Okay. And uh, he got to ch chat with them. And uh, amazingly, you think of all the things that Nixon would ask him about, he right. asked him if they'd heard about the All-Star game. <laughs> and uh, they said they, they had. And okay. uh, Neil Armstrong even said to him, you know, we're sorry about the rain out. Right. Like you missed wow. the game. And the president said, wow, you knew about that, right. huh? And Armstrong said, yeah, we did. You know, we, we can't control the, uh, the weather yet, but right. we're working on it. Now, during batting practice, there was probably a lot of um, intermingling between all these All-Stars. You know, they're on the field for the same – much like there is now. I mean, I, we know they're competitive and they're wanting to win the games just like they do now. But – um, you know, I'd imagine when you get all these players, all these great players in one spot, there's a lot of banter, there's a lot of maybe trash talk going on. Um, you know, what, what was kind of the vibe during batting practice that day? Well, as you mentioned, there's a lot of these great players right. and managers uh, interacting, and, you know, Ted Williams himself was a celebrity. Right. Uh, yeah, everyone, a everyone probably wanted to hang out with Ted Williams. Absolutely. You know, he's back in baseball for the first time in a right. long time. And um, so Tom Seaver and Jerry Kuzman of the New York Mets, mm -hmm. who, as you might know, went on to the win the World right. Series, as you am sure you do Six know. Yeah. Um, uh, they asked to take pictures with them. Okay. Uh, and so he's doing pictures with them, and then uh, the senator's owner, Bob Short, oh. walks by and says, Ted, let's kidnap him because <laughs> the senator needed the pitching. Hey, he's the owner, so, I mean, Ted Williams probably should have kidnapped him. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so the game itself, we talked a lot about leading up to it and uh, all the events surrounding it, but obviously I think from a DC, DC perspective, the uh, big part was that, that Frank Howard hit a home run. I mean, how great must it have been for him and for D.C. sports fans to not only see him in the game, but have him hit one of his mammoth, you know, moonshot home runs? It was it was great, especially if you look at uh, Washington All-Star Games before mm -hmm. that. So, as you mentioned, D.C. had hosted three All-Star Games before 69. Mm -hmm. They got a grand total of one at-bat wow. by a pinch hitter. It's unbelievable because right. you can't That's imagine today yeah. a home team getting stiffed right. that way. So, Frank Howard, to make that appearance, mm -hmm. um, he did – 
drop a pop up and right. uh, but we can leave a that alone. Little detail, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> but yeah, the home run it. was monstrous. <laughs> right. It was over 460 feet uh-huh. over the right uh, field uh, clock, right okay. center field clock. Uh, it was very, very much the highlight for right. the National League and for Washington baseball. Now the NL won nine to three uh, a year after winning the previous All Star game one nothing. Uh, the 69 game featured five home runs, including two by uh, Giants slugger William McCovey, and all 12 runs came in the first four innings. So there's a lot of excitement for the fans right out of the gate. And there was tremendous pride in this game for each league back then. Now, obviously, we had for, for, a, mo- for a time recently, we had the All-Star game determining uh, home field advantage in the, in the World Series, and we don't do that anymore. But, I mean, back then, there was legitimate pride and legitimate competition in this game, right? Absolutely. Uh, Frank Howard, in fact, said uh, this will be more than a show before the game. He said right. we should win this for league prestige. That's awesome. And Hank Aaron, <laughs> after the game, uh, because there was a long time where the American League dominated right. like they do now. Mm-hmm. But the National League had won the six previous All-Star okay. games, and they really liked the fact that they were back on top. Mm-hmm. And Hank Aaron said it's no exhibition game to us. We want to win. It took us a long time to catch them and go ahead. We want to keep it that way. Mm-hmm. We hope to pass that on to the younger players. So absolutely, they took this right. very seriously. And as you mentioned, good point. I mean, there was nothing at stake. There was right. no home field advantage right. like there had been in recent mm-hmm. years. But it was all about pride, and, right. and they played for pride. Right. And the leagues back then, as we know, there was no interleague play. Um, so they were even further separated from right. each other. The the umpires were different. That's when right. There was American League um, umpires. There were National League umpires. So um, to read those quotes uh, from both Frank Howard and Hank Aaron, it's kind of kind of cool to have them so, I guess you could say, jacked up for the game. Like, it, like it's almost another one of the regular season games. Right. You know, back then, National League and American League presidents would give pep talks right. to the teams before the game. They really wanted them. And now, of course, we don't even have presidents of leagues because right, exactly. the leagues don't really exist except right. as, you know, for scheduling and right. et cetera. Scheduling and postseason. And postseason, right. So the All-Star game ends and everybody kind of goes back to their, their home clubs and you get the second half of the season started. You mentioned the centers were in a good position uh, at the end of the uh, at, at the All-Star break. How did the rest of 1969 go for them? It went very well, actually. They had a very good second half. They wound mm-hmm. up finishing 10 games above 500, right. uh, their best season ever. Um, unfortunately, it was really a high watermark for that mm-hmm. team because they moved to Texas two mm-hmm. years later. Uh, and Ted Williams had it in his infectious personality. Right. Uh, really got the most out of his players. Mm-hmm. Um, not a fantastic strategist, right. but a guy that really got guys motivated. So there it is, Curly W Live podcast fans. They look at the 1969 All-Star Game with the historian himself, Mr. Fred Fromer. Uh, Fred, thank you for joining us on this podcast. We look to do, like I said, three more of them throughout this uh, the next couple months leading into the 2018 All-Star Game. Uh, as we said, Fred is the author, author of several books, including You Gotta Have Heart, which is a history of Washington, D.C. baseball. Um, and again, I've read the book. It's it, you, you got if you're a Nats fan or a baseball fan or a DC fan in general, it's one you got to have on your bookshelf. So, uh, Fred, thank you for joining us this afternoon, and we look forward to hearing from you um, about the other three All Star games moving forward. Thank you. I enjoyed it. Thanks to Fred for his incredible insight and knowledge of the last All Star game to be played in Washington D.C. Uh, like I said in the introduction of the podcast, Frank Howard really needs no introduction. He is a thoughtful, caring man who spent a few minutes on the phone with us to talk about his experience at the 1969 All-Star Game. So here's our chat with Frank Howard. All right, National fans, I am incredibly honored to be joined on the podcast by one of the greatest hitters in D.C. baseball history and the starting right field right fielder for the American League in the 1969 All-Star Game, Frank Howard. Uh, Frank, thank you so much for taking the time to join the podcast this morning. Well, Kyle, I know that uh, the nation's capital is hosting this All-Star Game this year. And it's going to give uh, the fans, the baseball fans in the greater Washington, D.C. area, a chance to see baseball's finest players. They all have unique skills. 
uh, unique skill set. Uh, they've got great game plans. That's why they're successful. So it, it, it's, it's going to be a great thing for our area to, to see all these great players on one field at the, uh, on one field on one day at a time. Absolutely, it's it's a, always an amazing collection of talent every summer. So in 1969, you know, how honored were you to represent Washington D.C. and the Washington Senators in the All Star Game? Well, you know, it's it's nice it's nice for anybody to be recognized and to be recognized by your peers and by the writers in the country. It, it is it's 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 a once in a lifetime thing. Now, I believe the selection process was a little bit different back then than it is now. I, I don't believe there was any fan voting back then, but you were voted into the game as a starter by uh, the players, coaches, and managers throughout the league. Um, what do you remember about that selection process? And you know, were you shocked? Were you excited? Were you kind of um, you know thrilled to be named an All Star starter? Well, you know, it, it was. Uh, I think '69. What that was an expansion year, right? And naturally, your numbers are going to be a little bit higher. You wouldn't think that uh, 20, 20 uh, extra pitchers in the league would have that much effect on field performance but uh, usually you look at your best offensive years and most of them were in expansion years and uh, but still though uh, to be selected it's it's a it should be one of the highlights of a guy's career absolutely now uh, your manager of that season during the 1969 uh, season was ted williams um, and he was also a Right, but I think was Ted Williams on the coaching staff? I I, I think he was. Okay. I, you know, it's been so long, right. I don't remember. But I'm sure he, I'm sure that you, you'd you be uh, out of your mind if you didn't have one of baseball's all-time players uh, coaching a game like right. that. Now, when you um, – when you're on the field, you know, for batting practice or you're going through all these events throughout the city um, with, the, with the team, with either the American League, your American League teammates, or the National League guys, um, was there a lot of, um, you know, um, sharing of stories or sharing of ideas or techniques? Did, did you use that time to, well, to learn it all? You, you know, a lot of those guys fly in on the day of the game. In right. those days, we didn't have the home run hitting contest the right. day before. And a lot of those guys would fly in early on the game day. In fact, uh, that that uh, Tuesday game was rained out right. and played on uh, played the following day on Wednesday, the last day of the All Star break. Right. So uh, you know, it's, uh, I, I don't think there was the hoopla right. or the pregame uh, extravaganzas <laughs> like they have today. I mean. This home run hitting contest they have either the day before or the day of the game, boy, it's quite exciting. They and I, I haven't had a chance to see it, but they tell me that some of these young superstars, I just hit ball after ball out of the ballpark and put on a phenomenal mm -hmm. performance for the fans. I, I would imagine you would have served pretty well in a home run derby back. Uh, in your playing days, you'd be just like well, those guys. I think guys that could lift a ball, uh, uh, the killer brews and, and uh, 
the Reggie Jacksons and 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 the Johnny Benches. Those guys who could lift a baseball would would just be outstanding. And Mike Schmidt. They, I mean, you could go on and name about twenty other ball players right. that had that rare skill of being able to hit bottom half of the baseball out of the ballpark. Uh, now, like you said, the the game was famously rained out, and that's uh. You know, we never want to see that. We never want to see a regular baseball game rained out, you know, much less the All-Star game. Uh, but I heard a story recently when I was doing research about this game um, that the American League bus actually got lost on the way back from RFK to the hotel that you guys are staying at. Now, I know you're local, um, and you, you obviously in D.C. at the time. Were you on that bus that got lost? No, no, okay. I wasn't. My, my, my home was here right. during the baseball season. Well, that's good. A little bit of home field advantage then. You don't have to deal with driving. I heard it was about a, a two-and-a-half-hour or three-hour tr- three trip around the city because the bus driver didn't know where he was going. I really, you know, <laughs> I couldn't give you any right. credits to that story right. because I wasn't involved. Right. Um, well, it's going to be a great thing for yeah. the Washington, not only for the Washington baseball fans, but for baseball fans all over the country. Right. It'll give them a chance to see uh, the the new great new ballpark they built downtown. Uh, it's uh, it's, it's going to be a phenomenal experience, not only for the players, but for the fans in the area. Now, I remember again, I was doing research about this game. I came across some quotes from players about the tremendous amount of pride that they took in winning this game for for their respective leagues. I mean, the leagues were a little bit more separated back then, as you know. Um, there was no interleague yeah. play. Um, you know, wh- what do you remember about kind of the competitiveness of the game itself and your desire well, to win? Well, you know, for years, the the National League in those days dominated the All-Star game. Right. And uh, so, you know, I, I think the first All-Star game we that I played in where the American League won it was the one in Detroit uh, two years later. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, but uh, uh, one of the National League uh, overall had had I, I think we had great players in the American League. There's no question about it. But I thought the National League had had, had more great players than what we had in our league. Mm-hmm. And as a result, they dominated in those days. But uh, if now today it's just the opposite. The American League keeps winning it all. <laughs> yeah, so it, those things go in cycles. Right. Uh, now to the game itself, um, you know, you had, I would guess, a pretty pretty amazing moment hitting one of your signature uh, long home runs at RFK Stadium. Um, you know, that had to be pretty special for you to round the bases in the All-Star Well, game. you know, if you perform, do something good in front of your hometown right. fans. It's not, I don't know who's going to represent the Nationals this year. But whoever it does, if, if, if they have a, a highlight or, or a moment uh, where they can give their fans something to shout about, it, it's, it's a thrill. There's no question about it. Absolutely. Um, and then at the time, um, you know, President Nixon, he was the president of the United States at the time, and he was a noted baseball fan. I believe uh, at one point he, he, he said he would trade being the president for being a sports writer so he could cover baseball every single day. Um, were you able to meet the president or his vice president, Spiro Agnew, at all during the, the week of festivities? I, you know, I met Richard Millhouse Nixon in, in the Yankee clubhouse when I was coaching there. Okay. First time I'd met him, and he made a point to introduce himself. We well, didn't have to introduce himself, but <laughs> he made a president. point of 
saying hello to me. It's the first time I'd met him. You know, like I said, like you said at the beginning, the the All Star Game is so special. As uh, you know, every year it's the the league um, you know kind of comes down in one city and everybody gets together. And like you said, some of the best players in the game are on the field at the same time. Um, you know, and it's a pretty special week of events. And and like I said, it, it had to be pretty special for you to take part in that game as a Member of the senators, well, knowing, and, knowing the nationals and and the job that their publicity department does, it, it, I'm sure they're going to set up something phenomenally uh, great mm-hmm. to to make this a very special event. Right. I know this. I, I think the the people not only in the greater Washington D.C. area but in the country is going to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And I'd be I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you one kind of non-All-Star game question, but about um, our new manager, Davey Martinez. You, you coached him er, in Tampa, uh, I had, correct? I had him as a player in Tampa Bay when I was a bench coach my last couple of years. And he's a – you know, he played, what, 16, 17 years in the big leagues? Sure did. You don't, you don't play that long in the major leagues unless you've got something special going for you. Mm-hmm. Maybe wasn't a great player, but a very, very fine player who studied the game and knows how to play the game fundamentally sound from A to Z and back from Z to A. Mm-hmm. Great game preparation as a player. I'm sure he'll have great game preparation as a manager. I served an outstanding apprenticeship as a bench coach, third base coach, so he's he's got all the prerequisites for success, and he will be very successful. I know when I saw him at the dinner, uh, I, I told him, I said, David, I'm very, very happy for you. He deserves his shot. He's going to get it, and I'm sure he's going to be very successful. Well, those are very kind words, and, and I know um, he appreciates your friendship and your mentorship along the way, so that means a lot. Um, so Frank, well, you they they study the game. Number one, they they enjoy playing the game. Mm-hmm. Number two, they prepare great. Uh, game preparation is outstanding, and then good, hard nosed hustling, fundamentally sound approach to playing the game. And he's got all those qualities. So it's, it's uh, I think the Washington baseball fans are going to really enjoy his style. All right, that's great to hear. Well, thank you again for joining me. Thanks again to Fred and Frank for joining us on this episode. And our plan is to incorporate the all, these All-Star Game episodes in along with our regular Curly W Live podcast content from now until July. So be on the lookout for three more episodes about the other three All-Star Games that took place in Washington, D.C. So we're on our way to spring training. Probably as you're listening to this, we're on our way down. Pitchers and catchers will report on Wednesday, February 14th. And while at spring training, we're going to be checking in with our new coaching staff. So be on the lookout for episodes uh, featuring those guys as we move forward. Like we always say, we want your feedback. So please tweet at me, at Kyle Brostowitz or at Nationals. Uh, we received some tweets after our last episode about uh, walk-up music for the grounds crew. So we'll see what we can do about that going into this season. Um, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes by searching Curly W Live and subscribe to the blog Curly W Live, which is curlyw.mlblogs.com. So next time you hear from us, we will be down in West Palm Beach. If you come down for workouts or for any of the games, be sure to, be sure to flag me down and say hi. I'd love to uh, 
uh, meet some of our listeners. So once again, thanks for listening to Nationals fans. See you next time on the Pro W Live podcast.